Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. I was trying to think of the first time I heard about Paige Poss, and I can't remember. To me, she was always the dissection lady. She was always the one that had the anatomy of the equine books and the great photos and explanations of dissections. I was able to even take a webinar with her and Jenny Edwards last year with PHCP, Progressive Hoof Care Practitioners. I learned a lot and knew instantly that when I started this podcast, I wanted to do an episode with her. Tell us your name and how you're involved in hoof care. Right. My name is Paige Poss, and I started in hoof care in 1999 because I brought home a horse that had had some low-grade laminitis, and then I also had a horse that had really, really good feet, but the last fairy that I was using was, I, I noticed that his feet were deteriorating quickly, and this had been one of the best-footed horses I'd ever had, and all of a sudden, every foot was a different angle, and he had, you know, just problems coming up that had he had never had before in his previous um, 11 years. So I had, as a kid, always, my grandfather had encouraged me to take care of my pony's feet. So I just kind of wasn't intimidated about rasping a little bit. And my plan was just to sort the feet out as best I could and find a different farrier. And then I got hooked on the whole process and, you know, became a complete nerd. So <laughs> that's how it all got started. Awesome. And how did that evolve? What drew you from trimming to studying more anatomy and doing dissections? Probably the, the way that that came about is that First off, I was a stay-at-home mom with two little kids and very little money. So going and studying with someone was really not in the cards. My husband was doing his residency in med school and was never home. So I didn't have a way to go study with anybody. But I have an animal science degree and had worked as a research technician for years prior to being a mom. So I really am also a hands-on learner. So for me, I needed to get my hands on it to understand it. It was early in the process of barefoot trimming. I mean, Jamie Jackson hadn't even started his organization yet. I mean, there really there were very few resources to learn how to trim. Everything was geared towards learning to shoe. So I saw a couple of dissections with someone, um, Martha Olivo, who was in that first class of Strasser here in the United States. She took apart a couple of feet, and I hosted a clinic, so I had to get the feet, so I now had a source and a place to get them. So I just kind of rolled up my sleeves and started taking feet apart to learn more, and I often would do clinics for people you know, because I had access to some cadaver feet. But I really found that photo documenting my dissections when I could do it by myself 
was how I learned the most because I could take hours and hours and hours, but then go back and review things. Because a lot of times in the images, I would see things I had completely missed during the dissection. And it helped me put pieces together that I don't know that I would have picked up on as quickly if I hadn't taken the time to really take good images. And is that how you started the Anatomy of the Equine website in the books? Well, that was really funny. I have to give Sally Hug (laughs) a lot of credit because I had gone out to California to teach clinic and Sally was so funny. She, I had my computer with a bunch of the images on it. She goes, Oh my God, those are so pretty. You should make them postcards so I can frame them. (laughs) (laughs) You've gotten your hands on our books. You realize they really are postcards (laughs) (laughs) that we just bound together. So she gave me the idea I picked like five of my favorite images, which is where the pocket guide started. But what happened is I then went to um, the International Hoof Care Summit. Um, I think Daisy's the one who recommended that I go to that, Daisy Bicking. So I went, and it was really rather sad. I had a just a little table I put out. I had a whole bunch of bones with me for sale. I had these postcards. And then I had my computer with a bunch of images, and I just wanted to see, were people hungry in the farrier industry for my images? Because I really didn't have anything to sell other than a few, you know, odd pieces of bone and um, these cards. And I was just treated with so, I mean, people were so nice and so excited that I realized now I had to find a way to take these images and do something with them because, you know, it was a really big task. I had thousands and thousands of images, but no place to, to really get them out the door. Well, at the same time, Jenny Edwards, who has for years had all natural horse care, she had helped me put together Iron Free Hoof. Years before, she sent me her equine laminitis book to look at. And I was like, oh, my God, you have to call me. So we paired up because Jenny has been doing her horse's feet since like 2001. Jenny is a professional trimmer, but she's a graphic designer also. So she'd been trimming almost as long as I had or about the same amount of time. And she has this IT graphic design background. So that's where Anatomy of the Equine came from. And if it wasn't for Jenny, distributing the books and getting them printed and putting them together, I mean, it is such a labor of love for the two of us. I mean, just the thousands of hours. (laughs) But it really has taken both of us to get these things put together and, and, you know, get them where we know how to sell them and distribute them and things like that. So... That's kind of the, you know, short version of how I went from trimming, but I've continued to trim all the way through. And that has also been cool because what I've learned with the anatomy has every year, it just seems to just another piece clicks in and I just understand more and more and more. So, yeah. And this is kind of a weird question, but do you have a favorite book of yours or one that you feel most proud of that you and Jenny put together or... 
Is there one that you're, you know, most excited about? Yes and no. I have to say the distal limb pocket guide, the basic one, is in some ways my favorite because it conveys so much information in such a small book. It's like having a big textbook because it gives you so many images that you can use to communicate with people with. So say you're a professional and you want to communicate something to an owner, it, you can explain things by pointing to the pictures. But in the same way, owners can take this book and ask questions of their veterinarian or ask questions of their hoof care provider. So I love the communication that it, it gives people. But then all the books, every time we do a new one, it's my new favorite. And what Jenny and I are working on right now is this new hoof courses. And it's available. You can go to anatomyoftheequine.com. And we do have it there, but Jenny's starting to change the website now. And I think it might be hoofcourses.com is also going to be linked to that. But sometimes I'm kind of a techno-tard and can't remember <laughs> the I didn't really answer your question other than all of them are my favorites. My name is Meg Francoeur and I'm a professional barefoot trimmer. I've used Paige's hoof dissection booklets. I carry them in my truck so that when I'm discussing some internal portion of the hoof for my customers, I can show them photos, those nice photos in those booklets that have cross-sectional anatomy so that they can see what I'm talking about in like an actual foot. The books are great as far as little thin slices and putting the information on each part so that they can look at it and know what I'm talking about. So it's helpful to um, educate my customers and it's uh, just a great resource um, for anyone who's interested in hoof anatomy and what it looks like inside. What is something that you can think of that you've learned or has become more clear with the more dissections that you've done? One of the biggest passions that I have acquired it was how I address the heels on my trimming. And it was funny because I had for years and years been essentially rolling the heels and softening the edge at the back of the heel. Pete refers to it as beveling or whatever, but you know, for me, I think about it different and what absolutely excites me and I'm working on this module on our online course right now is the back of the foot. Understanding the cartilage and the soft tissues at the back of the foot and then seeing why what I was doing at the back of the foot was helping so much, it's been super cool to understand how all of those soft tissues are working and, and most current imaging, short of MRIs, give us very little detail that, that we as owners or more lay type people, even I would put farriers and tremors in that category, non-medical people, there's not anything that shows you these tissues very well. And you also can't take away from that, even with MRIs, you can't take away the consistency of them and the feel of them and under and getting your hands on lateral cartilages and digital cushions and feeling the different textures 
and then understanding that the back almost the back half of the foot is almost exclusively built on soft tissue it's hard to appreciate that you have the palmar processes of a coffin bone but they are small because remember they come to a small point everything above them is cartilage or digital cushion and everything behind them going back towards the heel bulb is cartilage or digital cushion so your bars your heel quarters your frog is all built exclusively on soft tissue and has that changed your trimming you were talking about how you're approaching the heel bevel but has that you know looking at that soft tissue in the heel and in the the caudal aspect of the foot changed your approach to trimming no what's interesting is it didn't because i had started doing a roll on my heels back in like 2002 and I knew it was working, but what was has been interesting is now that I know so much more about the internal aspect of the foot and understand these tissues, it hasn't really changed how I trim it, but what it has done is it's changed how I can teach it, how I can show it to other people and have them walk away with understanding how they might wanna adjust things in the back of the foot. For example, Two or three years ago, I was at the AFA convention in, um, outside of Dallas, Texas, and I, was, I just took a couple of feet apart, and I had one that was kind of an underrun heel, and it was so interesting because the way I pull the soles off the feet, you have all the detail at the back of the foot. And, you know, there were a bunch of people around and we were all having a bunch of, you know, a lot of fun looking at these and comparing. I almost always do comparative anatomy. I like to look at more than one foot and I like them to be significantly different because you learn more if you see the differences than if you just see one, one at a time. So what was so funny is the next day I, uh, was walking through the lobby of the hotel and this older gentleman that looked like he'd been a farrier for a really long time. It's like, come here, let me show you something. And he pulls out his phone and he pulls out images of this foot. And he goes, I'll have you know, I I mean, I uh, put shoes on this horse on my way to this convention. And what you showed me on my way home, I'm gonna go and take those shoes off because I did wrong. <laughs> and I thought, that was one of the highest compliments I've ever gotten because I didn't tell him what to do. Yeah. I showed him stuff. And he was like, I got to do it different. And I just, that just blew me away. And this was somebody that had been doing feet far longer than I have. That's amazing. And that's that, really cool. It, it, has been incredible having those types of experiences and being able to show people. And that's the other joy that I have with doing the anatomy is I decided that I now have confidence and I can give you my opinion on what I think is going on. In the beginning though, 
I just literally would crack these feet open and just show people different things. I would point out differences and variations and consistencies and, you know, what looked more normal than not and things like that. But I think by not telling people what opinion they needed to have, not forcing my opinions on them is what has made the way I've been accepted into the professions has, has just been endearing. And I think it was because all I said, I had one um, clinic. This is an example of how I've always approached my dissections. I go to a clinic and there's a couple of veterinarians there and we're, you know, we have the feet and we're about to start taking things apart. And this one veterinarian, he kind of in front of everybody, it was the first time I had had anybody be rude about it, but he was, he stated, he's like, I just need to understand, I'm a veterinarian, why do you think you can teach me the anatomy? Wow. And it was like, but it's so funny because that didn't intimidate me at all. I was like, so here's the deal. I might not teach you anything because all I'm going to do is just crack these puppies open and show you stuff. <laughs> Again, I was a little taken aback to have somebody be that aggressive. Yeah. But that, I think, sums up my demeanor is I don't know that I have anything to show you. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you know. I don't know what horses you work on. I don't know the environment you're dealing with. So how can I tell you what to do with what I'm showing you? So my name is Corey Mannion and I um, own Soul Purpose Hoof Care. I'm a barefoot trimmer in Western Washington in the Seattle area. And I met Paige actually in Virginia because I moved here from Virginia. I don't know how this happened, but she posted something on Facebook that she was interested in teaching people to trim. And she got a lot of response from it. And I think it was a little overwhelming. <laughs> and then she was like, wow, there's a lot of interest in this that I can't, I can't help everyone. But I happened to Facebook message her and say, hey, my name's Corey, you don't know me, but I live down south in Virginia Beach and I would love to get in touch with you about learning to trim. I was trimming at that time and I had a couple clients, but I was really on my own and I really, I knew I was helping, but I, I needed more knowledge. So um, she invited my, my friend and apprentice and client and I um, up to train with her about every six weeks. So we would hop in the car and drive about three or four hours up to Northern Virginia, get out, trim with her for the day, and then hop in our car and drive home. Because we both had jobs, we both had animals at home to take care of, so we couldn't stay overnight. And the first time Paige and I met, I was in a very conservative mindset of shoes are terrible, barriers are bad, you know, everyone except barefoot trimmers, they don't know anything about anatomy or about trimming barefoot horses. And Paige at the time felt very radical to me um, because she's very open-minded and she's very even keel. She doesn't um, make owners feel bad for things that they don't know. And her teaching style is very casual and very experimental, which really freaked me out at the time because I really liked having um, 
my box is checked and black and white. This is either good or bad. So my apprentice and I drove home after our first training day with her, talking the entire way home, just de debriefing, processing everything. And we just kept going back. And she was very patient with us and allowed for us to slowly come around to the idea that perhaps the way we had learned was a little bit too constrictive, a little bit too judgmental of the world, um, the equine industry. And I think I really credit her with my business because, or, or more my perspective um, on owners and horses and trimming and anatomy because she's just so approachable and she makes you feel like you're an equal partner with her and that you're doing an experiment together and it gives you the confidence and security to go and try stuff which really helps and um, i consider her an expert um, on many things but she doesn't come across as uh, trying to make you feel small or impress you with her knowledge and um, so i i can i call her my mentor we talk regularly I call her with questions, whether it's business related or, you know, actual anatomy related. Um, I, I can definitely say that the way she teaches anatomy makes so much sense to me. And I've had, I've, I, we uh, hosted her for a dissection clinic in Virginia in 2017. And uh, I've, I've, I just keep going back to her materials, her websites, her books. Um, we talk on the phone, we connect. I'm gonna be going to her clinic in February um, because the way she teaches it helps me understand. And I've tried to study anatomy with other people in books, in articles, in videos, and I, I often get lost. But the way she describes it is so, to me, accessible, which makes me feel confident that I can also teach owners what I'm learning because it's not, doesn't have to be confusing or technical all the time. So anyway, that's what I really, love about her and um, she's just such a breath of fresh air in the industry and she has partnered with vets and farriers and trimmers across the country and now the world uh, and I'm just yeah I, I just feel like I've benefited so much from her and I know that you've obviously dissected so many feet at this point and in so many different clinics and conferences and all over the world um, is there any specific dissection that you can think of that was really memorable or a clinic or a conference that you felt like had a hoof that had something that maybe you hadn't seen before and in front of everyone? I don't know. Nothing that I can think of. I mean, a lot of times I'm very surprised. The worst is when you get something super duper cool and then you only have one example. So nobody, you don't have any way to show people what yeah. normal would be. I can't off the top of my head because to me, I guess every time it's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I really am such a nerd. <laughs> but it is, it's super, like it's never boring to me. I like seeing the healthy feet. What makes the, the clinics the most memorable for me is people's aha moments, what the people take away from it, not necessarily what the foot is showing me. And it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm impressed with all of it, but it's the some feet that you'll see people just go, oh my goodness, I get it. I see something in that foot that I can take home. 
Yeah. And that the more memorable ones and I you know, and, and that happens a lot. But it's so that's the coolest part of it all is when people you see somebody who something clicks in their mind and they put a piece together and they know how it's gonna help them with either a particular horse they're working on or it helps them in general with how they're trimming. What kind of tools would you say you you should at least have to dissect on your own? <laughs> well, everybody wants me to use a scalpel. And I so don't use scalpels because the handle's really thin and my hand gets really, really tired. So I use a box cutter <laughs> because the blades are super cheap. I just change them all the time. And the handle's big enough. And I don't use the kind that folds up like a pocket knife, I use the one where you have to unscrew it and, and put the, you know, blade back in there because, um, you know, and you can retract it in and out so it's safe. But I do that because I have better dexterity and my hand doesn't get as tired. So that's one thing. First off, boil the hoof capsule six to seven minutes, anywhere in that range. It needs to be a full rolling boil and don't do it longer. And Brian Hampson, who got his PhD with Pollitt, he's the one who gave me those numbers because he had to learn how to peel hoof capsules off. <laughs> so he took pity on me and told me how long to boil it. And then, you know, I score the hoof capsule and make it so that I can get my pull-offs and I pull off the sole in one go so that you get all of the detail at the back of the foot. And do you boil it from frozen? Uh, no. I, I like them to be thawed or almost 100% thawed. So you know how you keep the smell down? Well, first off, I hose everything down. Um, and that's kind of part of the honor of, of doing my things so that they look good. I don't want, you know, I want to honor the horse and not present something that's a, you know, icky mess. So I wash them and then I use a newborn or size one diaper on the stump mm -hmm. and you, and then you put some duct tape on that. And what it does is it takes up any of the oozing fluids and it's amazing how it helps with keep down the smell because it absorbs and see almost everybody I know puts a plastic wrap on it well that's like sweating underneath plastic it just drips down and ends up coming down on the hair and it's gross you use the baby diaper and it's awesome because <laughs> it keeps all the dripping fluids from coming down the leg yeah is there something that if you could really push owners as if you really wanted an owner to take notice of something in the foot is there something that you could think of that you know from your dissections would mean pathology in the foot well as the years went on and doing lots of work with veterinarians in Virginia especially and working with um, I had someone like Daisy has Dr. Shoemaker that she does a lot with and I used to work a lot with Dr. Um, Anne-Marie Hancock, who does osteopathy and, and a lot of body-type work. And the thing that is probably the greatest impact 
on the horse as a whole is long toes and it is so detrimental to the body and what is interesting is I want owners to understand that if they don't like the way the hoof looks they may not know how to fix it but 90% of the time if an owner calls me calls me and says I really am not happy with how the hooves look I'm worried about my horse I can almost bet you money that there is a problem that the feet are too long or unbalanced or something's going on owners know more than they think they know and when the feet look weird they usually are weird mm -hmm. so that's probably to me the most impactful thing that I want owners to understand they're not being stupid if they're concerned about their horse's feet but on the flip side I find that a lot of things will get a lot of media attention and it panics owners over things that I don't see are as big a problem as they're made out to be for instance thrush horses can be sore from thrush and thrush is a problem but it's pretty stinking obvious literally <laughs> and I see these owners who are like practically getting dental tools and going oh my god is that thrush and it's like uh, no it's it's the low-grade laminitis because your horse is metabolic because you're feeding them too much <laughs> the thrush is not causing your horse to be foot sore it is the food <laughs> yeah so it's it's hard because you want to make owners aware of more things and empower them but it's a little bit like seeing people study medical books where all of a sudden they're worried about things that probably aren't that big a problem. And so then, you know, is there a point at which you're seeing pathology in the hoof that you worry about it becoming a permanent issue? What's interesting is that you see a lot of damage and that's where I'm glad that I've got 20 years of experience trimming. So you see a lot of things that look like the horse would never heal. And yet, I think if you restore um, circulation back in the foot, a proper balance trim with or without a shoe tends to have better circulation. If you don't, if you understand that the back of the hoof seems to be built to accept concussion it's supposed to take a pounding but it's not supposed to be squeezed all the time it's not supposed to be under constant compression and and if you can change that seesaw and have a foot that's no longer just constantly weighting the back of the foot and having those soft tissues under pressure all the time a lot of times it's shocking how much they can heal so that's a hard question to answer because a lot of times horses can do well with a lot of damage in their feet and then there are horses that it looks like hardly anything is wrong and yet the damage is severe yeah so it's it's you you saw I haven't made it real public, but I just put my horse down a week and a half ago. I'm so sorry. 
she was only 10 years old and um i knew i couldn't manage her foot she had a club foot i and she was fine but i hadn't really worked her yet and i could see that she had a little bit of issues with the foot this was a mustang I'm thinking, and my vet agrees with me, that it was probably a nutritionally induced club feet because she was um, brought in when she was a year old. And a lot of times the food that they're put on, especially when they're babies like that, is just too rich. And it, it could be that she just grew too much, too fast. So she tended to have clubby front feet. And I knew that her right front was bad. But I did not realize the extent of the damage until I was gone and she, I was struggling with her metabolism and um, had her on a pretty strict diet. I mean, I really felt comfortable with my diet, but she wasn't responding. And even my Cushing's mare, who has diagnosed metabolic issues, she looked great on the diet. So why is this little Mustang mare looking like a fat pig than everything on ECIR diet. So I go away and I come back and she had crashed and she was so sore and nothing I did to her feet helped her at all. Nothing that I did with her diet. I mean, I even got to the point I had access to the, um, Timothy balancer cubes. I mean, I got her diet as perfect as you could get it and got no response. And then we took, did venograms and we did a lot of x-rays and she had so much significant damage to that bad club foot. She had a lot of bone loss, a lot of remodeling, and then she had a lot of uh, damage to the corium and she was sinking and had sunk significantly in that foot and it was because i know what i know i realized that i would probably have to manage her her whole life and more than likely i couldn't keep her sound enough to ride and you know i because of the anatomy knowledge and stuff i decided to go ahead and put her down because she was in pain, and I think she had been in pain even prior to the laminitis. She just wasn't limping. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just, you know, a lot of people will keep going, and and if I didn't, in the past, I probably would have continued on a lot more, but realizing that this was not going to ever just the amount of bone loss she had was not going to improve. Right. And knowing how vulnerable she was going to be. It was just, it was just a, a very heartbreaking decision to make, but I feel like um, seeing what those tissues look like and feeling them and having trimmed for so long, I just kind of knew what I was up against. Yeah. Going back to the anatomy piece in that, when I have a lot of coffin bones here and a lot of times I get um, cadaver feet that have remodeling of the coffin bones and really bad problems in the navicular area and stuff, but especially the, the coffin bone stuff, when you 
put your hands on it and you feel how fragile that coffin bone is and you I'm convinced that most abscessing with laminated horses and with um, horses who have just recurring abscesses it's from the pedal osteitis and stuff and it thins the bone so much I think it's bone chips that the body has decided to kick out and just about anybody who puts their hands on there because sometimes you can feel the lamina and it feels like it is full of sand and grit and it's bone pieces you can feel it and you just realize that they're so vulnerable to this just continuing on and on and on well I mean that's for me sometimes it's helpful to have a real reason to make a hard decision does that make sense yeah that yeah. you know that that I'm not just being a sissy I know how this is going to be recurring and the other thing we've gotten all the blood tests but I had everything tested with her I got the test results back on Grace and she was not Cushing's and her insulin was not at a level that should have made her as bad the fact that we couldn't get her under control um, you know just made it just made everything seem like I needed to make a decision yeah. Anyway, you have a list of other questions we can move on. <laughs> My next question is, um, so if money was no object, like you could spend as much as you wanted, what projects would you pursue? Would it be, you know, dissection related or? I would get an x-ray machine, do lots and lots of clinics for people and do tons more dissections and just photo document from beginning to end and just really keep honing these theories um, and showing people the distortions that I'm seeing in the uh, collateral cartilages and, and you know the back of the foot and just really photo document that stuff. That's what I would concentrate on if I had funding. And Anybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and if you could encourage other hoof care providers um, with a bit of advice as sort of like the last, you know, summary of our, of our interview, what would it be? I think one of the, the things I've always been a little bit of a, um, I guess because I, I learned by myself, I feel like I'm a little bit of a rogue in that I think that Learning from one teacher is one of the most um, debilitating aspects of, of learning to trim or do shoes or whatever. Having one person you learn from and one person who decides whether you're good or not. Because there are so many people that have look at things different they approach things different you'll pick up something I've learned a lot from people who I know I don't want to do it like them at all but it's really opened my eyes to see how people look at things and how they're incorporating the information and making decisions and a lot of times it also I think you need to step outside of your comfort zone and once you you know get started get settled and then start going outside of your comfort zone and 
and working with people who maybe are in a different industry or something. Going into the farrier world has shown me just how much passion there is and just how many smart people there are. And that a lot of times there are really good reasons that some of these funky looking things are used and they work. And if you understand what's going on behind it and vice versa, I'm always a little disappointed when the people won't talk to what are we doing as barefoot trimmers. I mean, but I'm finding that the more open I'm being with looking at what other people are doing, the more people who are asking me questions too. So I feel like that's the biggest advice is don't get into a little um, mindset of what's good and what's not. Yeah, I like that. If, if there's any advice to give to people who are going into this professionally is that don't be hard on yourself. You have to learn it in pieces. And it's no different than teaching children. For example, when my son was learning to walk, I noticed his verbal skills would go away for a few days. And it was like, it was a teeter-totter. He couldn't maintain all of the skills he was acquiring. He had to sort of diminish some of them as he learned another one. And I found that's how we really all are, I think. Yeah. Is that as, as you start learning about the back of the foot, you might kind of forget or put it on the back burner and start ignoring things that were your absolute focus in the beginning you know, with the front of the foot or looking at the white line or looking at thrush. Well, you're going to learn each piece. And then as you start finding the integral, the way they fit together, you can't beat yourself up if you don't understand how they all fit together. You can't. Well, thank you so So. much for spending time talking to me. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Have a good rest of your night. You too. Bye. Bye. My name is Daisy Bicking, and I am a farrier, healthcare provider. So when I first started trimming, um, there were a number of people in the area who were teaching, and I wouldn't even say in the area, let's say in the U.S. that you could learn from. Casey LaPierre was one, Martha Olivo, Jamie Jackson, and Paige Poss were really the names that came across my radar. And so way before I knew Paige, I didn't meet Paige until 2000, I think, and 11 at the No Laminitis Conference. I think that was the one in Syracuse, New York. And Paige came up to me and I was like, wow, this is Paige Poss. And she came up to me and I hadn't met her, you know, after all those years, I had never met her, but um, knew of her peripherally and had read some of her stuff. And she proceeded to open her iPad and show me these beautiful dissections. I mean, jaw-dropping dissections. And she's like, do you think there's a market for this? And I looked at her and I said, are you kidding me? This is amazing. Please share this. Please spread the word about what you're doing here because I think this is phenomenal. And not only hoof care providers and veterinarians and also owners, everyone will benefit from this knowledge that you're this sharing with us, it's really hard to get accurate information about the inside detailed workings of the distal limb. 
And so Paige and I, you know, began a bit of a journey there. We traveled together. Anytime someone would come to me and say, I I would like you to come and do a little huff thing at this conference or what have you, um, I'd say, okay, you know what? Yes, I will help you, but if you want dissection, we need to bring my friend Paige because she is so good at it that I would not even want to try to do a dissection knowing that she can do such a better job than I can. So please, can we just bring Paige for the dissection? At least, if not for other contribution because she's such an amazing hoof care provider as well. So we I was very fortunate. I got to travel with Paige and, you know, do, we did um, a presentation at the Cornell Farrier Conference together. We did the, the launch of the Easy Shoe Glue-On the performance compete those shoes i did a clinic series for them and paige was along with me and we co-taught these clinics together and she did dissections and we related that to radiograph and talked about trim and shoe placement it was it was a phenomenal experience and i'm just so excited that she's doing what she's doing and offering the educational tools that she does it's such a phenomenal contribution to our industry. So I'm so glad that she's in my life and helps us all the way that she does. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.